Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, good morning, or should I say good morning, good morning, good morning, and welcome to Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman, presented by United Dairy Farmers. Excuse me, I am not Tom Brenneman, but I am going to play the role of coming off the bench, and fortunately for me, I have had that experience throughout my athletic career. I'm Trace Fowler. For those that do not know, I'm a co-founder of Chatterbox, and hopefully you'll stick around and enjoy your Tuesday with us. We have a decent amount of stuff to talk about. We come your way every Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to noon Eastern time, and you can find us on YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports. We ask you to please subscribe to the show. Hit the notification switch. It's obviously free, as Tom has told you time and time again. It just allows you to see, you know, Chatterbox on your main page on the YouTube channel. If you prefer to join us in podcast form, you probably already know this, but you can do so. Search off the bench with Tom Brenneman and you're dialed in, as Tom would say. Last night, the Chargers clinched their playoff berth. Herbert turned the ball over twice, didn't throw a touchdown all night long. But the Chargers D, led by Khalil Mack, didn't need much help. LA won 20-3 and all 10 fans in LA jumped for joy. Are the Chargers the only team that you don't want to see in the first round? We'll get to that here in a little bit. Black Monday's approaching, but Denver said the hell with wasting time with that. Daniel Hackett was notified yesterday that he's out as head coach in the NFL. That leaves two NFL gigs available, at least in my estimation so far, with obviously more to come. Who's the best cases for the job? We'll get through that. Andrew Whitworth. Andrew Whitworth. He's not said no yet. Sure, it's a phenomenal story. Uh, but is that the best option? Uh, I don't know. We'll get into some of that. We'll review the Bengals' options. What else they can be? What else can be done? And uh, if Whitworth says yes, what does that look like? Tua Tungavaloa. I think that's how you say the guy's last name. I still can't do it. Tua Tungavaloa. He's entered the concussion protocol, and this is relatively a serious matter. So I'm going to save some of the jokes, but it's genuinely like the only thing that can explain some of his second half performance against the Packers. The Dolphins are working on a backup plan as we speak, but the computer boys, the analytical bunch, they've done some calculating for us, and after adjusting for the uncertainty of Tua's status, the Dolphins' playoff projections have fallen 5%. Let's not get into this now, but how in the world does someone come up with 5%? Where, where, where do you extract that data from? For a quarterback who's seemingly been incredibly important to the success of the Dolphins, it seems kind of crazy to me. Will the Dolphins miss the postseason after starting 8-3? and three? Seems likely. We'll get into that. The three-month layoff for college football, uh, it seemed uh, maybe three-week layoff, I should say. It seems like three months. I'm a college football going to have to figure that situation out. And it's no secret that I'm a Georgia guy. I'm a Georgia fan, for many of you that you know. I know there's Ohio State folks that probably are in the chat. They're like, I do not want to hear about Georgia. But here's something. I'm going to explain the key areas to watch for. Um... Why I think that this will be decided by less than a touchdown. And I'll say this. There's not been a game decided by less than a touchdown in a college football playoff format in the semifinals in 18 games. Well, what will be 18 games? Lastly, I don't know if NBA has really talked about on this show a whole lot. And it won't be talked about a whole lot again on this show. But I will say LeBron James is capping again, as the kids would say. It's become regular. I don't know if you've seen it. If you haven't, we'll get into it. But he's been given the nickname LeCap James on the Bird app. Now, that's Twitter. 
for those that aren't following. Um, let's talk about LeBron for just a second. All right. Very, very rarely does anyone play in the NBA for 20 seasons, as you probably know. Right. According to a Levitard, a Levitard show clip. Okay. Dan Levitard. The most points per game of someone in their 20th year goes as follows. Robert Parrish had 3.9 points per game. You know his nickname? I think his name was The Chief. Vince Carter, 5.4. Vinsanity. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, 10.1. And 17.6 points per game is who? Kobe Bryant, RIP. LeBron is averaging 27.5, 8.5, 6.5. Okay? But missing on that list is a guy named Dirk Nowitzki with 12. I just wanted to show this. Speaking of Dirk, did you see LeBron talking about his statue? Check this out. Check this out. Before the unveilment of what the statue would look like, I already knew what the statue was going to look like. It had to be a fadeaway one leg. It had to be. No question about it. Dirk is a... He's a legend. He's an icon. Um, why, why does he? Why does he keep doing this? Does does he not know that he sounds like that that annoying guy that you sit next to at the ballpark when you're sitting there, and he's like every damn hitter that walks up, he's like, hey, taps you on the shoulder. He's gonna hit this thing out of here. He's gonna hit this thing out of here. And then, like, on the 20th at bat of the game, you finally, inevitably, at Great American Ballpark, you, you get a home run. And he's like, did you see that, boys? I called that. It's like, LeBron, just stop. Please. There's nothing worse than the guy that sits next to you at the ball game, outside of maybe just one guy. The guy that's carrying his, like, softball glove that's, like, 17 inches long and is, like, dragging the ground as he's carrying it along. I'm not trying to kill people, but seriously, in all, in all seriousness, if you're over the age of 14... Unless there's some big million-dollar home run that's going to be hit, just, just leave it in the car. All right? Casey, Paul, Ham and Eggers is obviously the rest of the world calls you maybe at this point. How are we doing? We're doing good. You know, that LeBron situation reminds me of someone that just wants to one-up. Yeah. He's very self-conscious. He just wants to one-up. He wants to be the best, and he will do anything to get that slight edge. He is a one-upper. The thing is, I don't think he realizes it. Because, I mean, he's, for as much as he's on social media and as much as I, I follow, like, what he does, and, I, you know, we, we don't talk about the NBA a lot on here, but obviously, as all of you who listen to this probably know, I'm a big basketball guy. Like, it's, it's unbelievable how it, it just seems like he's just not self-aware. He doesn't really know what's going on. He, he genuinely, if you watch videos of him with his kids or if you just watch videos of him interacting with people, he just seems like a goofy dude. He just seems like a – honestly, he seems like a genuinely good dude who's yeah. pretty goofy and completely unself-aware. No idea what's going on. And he's definitely sitting up there in the post-game press conference thinking, yeah, like, I nailed this. <laughs> <laughs> I nailed that one. He, yeah, he, yeah. He, I, I will say this. I used to be a relatively LeBron fan. I, I enjoyed him. And we're about to be done with the NBA at, at this point. Um, but, but he's gotten unbearable for me. To a certain extent, it, it's almost like he's he's gotten bored with just talking about basketball. So he's always got to try to find ways to which it, which he can kind of get around talking about that. He wants to talk about other things, and it's just like, dude, I'm not I'm not in the shut up and dribble crowd. You know, I'm, I'm not I'm not that. I think that you obviously as an athlete can talk about whatever things you want to talk about to a certain extent. But at the same time, 
don't go out and just act like you predict all these things. Don't act like, you know, you, 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 someone asks you about what your favorite part of a book is. Don't, don't stutter and then be like, uh, I, I, too, too many, too many to name. Well, he, that's, that's his thing. The we're Godfather. Like, yeah. Remember? He we're, brought, we're lying. He brought the Godfather to the, to the post-game press conference. Uh, I, I think it was the Godfather. And he's, they asked him like what his, what his favorite scene in the movie was, yeah, is what they asked him. But no, no, but he, he brought a book. I said The Godfather. It's the movie. He brought a book to a post-game press conference. It was a famous book. I forget what it was. Brought a book to a post-game press conference, and it was very obvious that he was, you know, trying to make like he was reading the book. And somebody just harmlessly said, well, you know, hey, LeBron, like, what's your favorite part of the book? And he just, well, you know, he gave the classic third-grade answer where it's like, oh, well, you know, there were just too many good parts to 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 list off yeah you know? like, he, he's doing, the kid man? in class that got called when he wasn't paying attention and he's just scrambling for answers and it's just like just just say you haven't gotten into the book yet yeah just just say you're, you're gonna start reading it today be a better liar at the end of the day all right topic number one fellas i i think that the whitworth thing uh, still is relatively low percentage i'm not saying that that it shouldn't be pursued i think that it should be pursued i think that you should obviously exhaust all options as you can but one thing I wanted to get into you guys uh, with with you guys is is like, what what's what's the best option? You know what's realistic? Obviously, I, I as you can probably tell, I never played offensive line. Hell, barely ever played football. But I do think that there's something to the idea of having kind of um, you know this bond of brotherhood to a small extent. Of hey, these guys have been in the trenches all year with me. The last thing I want to do is take a guy that's been sitting on a set. And I get it; he's got a gold jacket. I understand. But a guy that's been sitting on a TV set all year comes in, and next thing you know, he's he's literally just thrusting into the lineup when the games matter the absolute most. That seems borderline crazy to me. Now, again, if he comes in and he does play relatively well, Bengals go on to win a Super Bowl, you can't write a script like that. And oftentimes, sports, that's why we love them. We love them because you can't you cannot guess what's possibly going to happen more times than not when it comes to the best moment in sports. I asked you guys to do me some favors last night. We have some more topics so we can get into. But I wanted to know what, what options there were. And you look no farther than Casey McAllister, the man, the guru, the myth, the legend, that knows everything there is about offensive line play. So, Casey, I'm going to turn it over to you just really quickly. What free agents are, are out there? What alternative options are there? And then, realistically speaking, people in the chat, even, even Bengals fans, I don't watch them as closely as you guys do. But... I guess my main question is, Is are the backups that bad to where we're talking about going and possibly getting a free agent or going and getting a guy that sits at a booth? That seems absurd to me. Let's go, Casey. Well, let, let, let me set the stage for you on why there is panic, right? Hakeem Adeniji, he played right guard most of the season last year, and he had 501 pass block attempts. Out of all of those, he had 37 pressures, nine sacks allowed, not very good. Um, uh, he was right guard, so now he's playing in his natural position at right tackle. And this year, he's been serviceable. You know, he was thrusted in there just this last week, and he played decent. But probably not what you want. You know, it's not going to be something that you are jumping for joy about. The other guy that is on the Bengals roster that played tackle, right tackle specifically, Isaiah Prince, who started all throughout the postseason, 
started in the Super Bowl, and the dude gave up seven pressures that game, allowed Joe Burrow to get hit multiple times. And it's the Super Bowl. He's going up against, like, Vaughn Miller and Aaron Donald. But still, not the type of guy that you want. So if we're looking to acquire someone new. Let's go. Roll through these tabs, Casey. The number one prospect to me, if it's not Andrew Whitworth, is Daryl Williams. Now, this is a guy that Bengals fans wanted in the offseason. Right. And for some reason, he has not found a home yet. So that leads to some concern that there's something behind (laughs) him that, you know, he's either got injury issues or something to that nature. He grades out really well in PFF. Um, The other guy, guys, um, the second guy that I have in mind is Brian Beloga, but he hasn't really played in two years. He, He... got hurt either week one or got cut. I, I didn't do that deep of research, but he hasn't played in two years. He's a decent option. And then Bobby Massey, a right tackle. He played for Denver. It's, it is what it is. Kind of, meh. Sounds like they're staying well, in house. Here. Here's the thought. Like, I know you wanted to use the excuse that, oh, well, he was playing in the Super Bowl and he was going against this guy. It's like, well, that's the goal. I mean, the Bengals are at a point now where it's it, we're no longer just like, hey, we want to be competitive. Like, we're trying to win the Super Bowl. So, you can't – I'm not saying you are using the excuse, but we can't use the excuse that it's like, well, he struggled when he played elite competition in the Super Bowl. It's like, well, that's what we're trying to go play again. So, you got to find someone that's capable of handling that type of thing. And here's the question I would pose back to you, and Paul, I'll let you get to your point uh, next, is like, I, I don't genuinely know enough to probably make this claim, but I would be willing to bet that if you took the average layman like me and probably half the chat, everyone down to the Bengals practice facility, and you said, hey, here's our backup right tackle. You guys think he stinks, but I'm going to let you watch him do 100 reps and let Whitworth do 100 reps. And at the end of it, I'm willing to bet that you're going to be like, well, the backup that just so happens to be playing professional football all year long looks Way better than the guy that's been wearing a jacket and trying to bundle up on terrible Thursday night football games all year. Like, I get that he has a gold jacket, but at the same time, like, Joey Votto used to be a really good defensive first baseman. And he's not good anymore. I mean, how good was Andrew Whitworth last year? And this isn't me trying to crush Andrew Whitworth. I I have all the respect in the world for him. But I'm just saying, and, and I think most maybe... Even keeled minds will probably be like, yeah, that's probably far-fetched as we go. But I think there's some genuine people out there that think that the Bengals are going to go out and get someone else. And I'm just here to say that the chances of that have to be slim to none. Have to be slim to none. The Bengals are a franchise, quite frankly, that have never really gone outside the box and done things. You know, Rita sat over here just earlier this year and started laughing at everybody, thinking, do you think the Bengals are going to make a trade at the deadline? It's the Bengals. And sometimes, I don't think it's a bad thing. I'm just saying, I, I think... If, if the Bengals are in a situation where the guy that started at right tackle is in uh, for the Super Bowl last year, Casey, correct me if I'm wrong, is on the practice squad right now, yep. you're in a pretty damn good position, I would think. So I wouldn't sound the alarm and go out and act like the guys that you already have in the building aren't good enough. Paul, did you have anything to add to that? No, I was going to essentially make the same point between either Hakeem Adeniji or, or Andrew Whitworth. I think you you at least give Andrew Whitworth the call. You at least give him the option. We talked about this yesterday with Tom. that You at least give him the option. You, you, you hit his phone and you say, hey, 
This could be a 10 second conversation. Are you interested? He says, no, you say, all right, cool. You hang up. But if he says, hey, let's kick the tires on this, then maybe right. at least roll the ball down the road and, and see what happens. Because the other thing, too, is you know, who knows what kind of shape he's in. It's not like he's been out of the league for years. Um, you know, I don't know how long it would take a guy like Andrew Whitworth to get back into starting right tackle shape. He's been out uh, for 10 months. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I don't know what he's doing in his downtime. Is he is – he, staying in shape is he staying in football shape because there's even a difference there so i think those are a couple of things to keep an eye on but uh look you know to your point trace about hakeem adenogy i think you just you throw him in there uh he has the experience he's been around the team sure he has more snaps at, at right guard than right tackle but still i right I, yeah yeah i mean I, my my only concern is just the last game what he showed us i mean i said he played decently but he gave up five pressures like he he wasn't spectacular at all um was much better at running run blocking hey, but, but is there something to the idea that you know you were thrusted into the lineup i mean you know it, it, it's it could be i'm not trying to make excuses for the guy but at the same time you know there's a difference um, and this is a topic that we'll talk about later with the college football playoff. But, you know, for a while, everyone wanted to give Stetson Bennett all the grief in the world about how, him not playing consistently. Well, he didn't get first-team snaps. He didn't get first-team reps. He didn't practice hardly all week with the guys that he's playing with. It's hard for a guy to come in the middle of the – what would what, what, he come in middle of the second quarter? When, when did he go down? Yeah, second quarter. So he come in the middle of the second quarter, and the next thing you know, you know, he's just thrusted in there. Now I go, I get it. It's his role. He's that's his professional job. He's a backup. He's supposed to come in and be able to fill that void. But, you know, I, I just say let's let let's let the cards kind of fall out where they may, and then to a certain extent, if Whitworth, I will say this about Whitworth, I'd make him tell me no like three times though. I mean, yeah. I, if I got on the phone, I said, hey, are you interested? He's like, I don't think so. Blah blah. Like I'd call him back on Friday. Like, hey, are you sure? I mean, I, I know, I know, I know you said no on Tuesday, but you know, your your job ended on Thursday. You want another job? So I don't know. I feel like Whitworth's a guy that I'm just playing devil's advocate. If they get him, throw him in there. See what the hell happens. It's just I don't know enough about football to get knee deep into all this, but I would assume a couple things that have to exist in this situation. One is what is his playing shape? You know, yeah, he's been off for ten months. Yeah, he played just last year, but. You know, I'm not saying this is just like basketball, but hey, you take 10 months off playing basketball, you ain't coming back. And, you know, now I get that that's my, probably a little bit of a different situation. The second thing is playbook. Maybe it's just a plug and play, something he's done for 20 years. Very simple. You just get in there and after a week, he's got the he's got basically the, the, the knowledge base to be able to handle all the different situations with the playbook. And I don't know enough about X's and O's of football to know really if a right tackle has a whole lot of plays he needs to be aware of because he's not like – you know, again, I'm being very, very um, open about not knowing football that well. But, you know, guards and things of that nature, they pull and do do more than a tackle, it seems. Um, so I don't know how big of a deal that is. I also think there's something to the idea of, of Whitworth. Obviously, the only reason this has been brought up is because of he's already been in the building. You know his character. You know, the last thing you want to do is bring in, like, a Collins or a Balaga. And, you know, not to say they're going to be cancers, but... You know, if they don't mesh well with the guys, like, they're not good enough to mess up any kind of chemistry. locker locker room yeah. chemistry, in my opinion. So those are the things I would be concerned about. 
That said, speaking of Whitworth, he's got his own stomping grounds of L.A. The playoffs have found themselves in L.A. again with the Chargers. Um, I've said this for weeks. I will continue to say it. Are the Chargers the most dangerous team outside of the two B's and KC? And what I mean by that is the Bengals, the Bills, and the KC Chiefs. I think they are. I really think they are. And it doesn't mean that I think that they're a good football team. What I mean is that I think that when they play at their best, when their offense is playing at its best, it is incredibly more dangerous than all of the other teams in the AFC. I don't care who comes out of the South. Pick it out of a hat. I could care less. Jags, Titans. Man, I would love to play one of those two teams first round. I'm being serious. I made a joke about it the other week, and I'm not half tongue-in-cheek, but I seriously think Jacksonville, more than likely two weeks ago, had to send out a memo to all the concession workers, all the ticket takers, all the people that do security to say, hey, uh, we got a situation on our hands where we're going to have to play maybe an extra home game this season. I know that that's not been something that you guys are used to doing. Make sure you don't take those second and third jobs quite yet because we're going to need your help. They might have done that. So... I'm not too concerned about playing those teams. I, I get the idea of wanting to play a home playoff game. But I'm telling you guys, and I guess I, some of this is obviously my Packer coming out, my Packer fandom coming out. But I think if you look at the Chiefs last year, I don't know if home field advantage is as big as we make it out to be in the NFL. Right? The Packers have had a home field advantage. The last two playoffs haven't won and won. Haven't, got, haven't gotten out of it yet, right? Last year, the Chiefs had home field advantage, got beat by the Bengals, right? I would argue that the Bills should have beat the Chiefs, right? I mean, yeah, you could say, but was it home field advantage for the Chiefs and why they beat the Bills, or was it just that the, the Chiefs obviously made some incredible plays at the end and won the game? I guess my, my ultimate point is, 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 is that the Bengals need to get healthy. They need time to be able to try to reset, the, the, re recalibrate. You know, they haven't had a bye week in a while, right? Yeah. And, and not only have they not had a bye week, but they've been winning and grinding out wins. You know, I can think back, and I'm obviously I, I'm not uh, be able to, to pull this up really quickly, but if you think about the Bengals games, they've not been cakewalks. You know, not a single one outside of maybe, I guess, when they played the Falcons and the Panthers, where you're like, hey, yeah, we could just pull the starters and take it easy. They've been grinded out games. And then now you got to play the Bills. And then you got to turn around and play the Ravens in a, in a divisional championship game for the most part. I'm telling you, I'm crazy for saying this out loud. And people will crush me for saying it. But I genuinely think that if you win or lose against the Bills, I would consider resting my starters. Now you're going to say, Trace, we can get the number one seed. I know. And it seems bonkers, but I'm just telling you, the Chiefs are not losing. They're not losing. They're not giving up that one seat. And if you lose to the Bills, I don't give a damn if you got a chance to win the division or not next week. You definitely don't play. Now, I will remind you last year, those that, that, that playoff run you had, those starters got a rest. I know that you guys might have takes on this. I'm sure the chat is crushing me with it. I'm just saying, the wear and tear of the NFL will catch up to you. And I'm not saying Lionel Collins' injury is just because of that. 
But I am saying that it wouldn't shock me if you go against the Ravens that someone else goes down. And it's just a matter of time before someone else goes down. That is the NFL. So to hell with home playoff games. You play in a weak AFC bottom tier division. So it, my point is you're going to play, if you lose a division, you're going to play a terrible team. And then from there, it is what it is. You're gonna have to play. You're gonna have to play all the the big teams. In regardless, you're gonna play the Bills. You gotta have to play the Chiefs because the Chiefs ain't losing. Fellas, you got any? I mean, I'm sure that that's not the most conventional wisdom thinking. But well, what's your thoughts on that? Well, it's actually a blessing in disguise that they play on Monday, right? Because they get to see the Ravens and the Chiefs play one more time before they make that decision on whether or not they should actually play their guys, try to go for the number one seed. Um, and more than likely the Ravens game is going to be like at 430 or something like that. That's a huge game. I don't think CBS or uh, Fox would miss up on the opportunity to have that as their primetime slot the last game of the season. So <clears throat> my thought is you see what happens this Sunday against the Chiefs. If the Chiefs lose, you gotta you got to just play the rest of the season with your guys. But if they win, I think there's a legitimate like discussion that has to be had that the next two games, do we just take it easy? and Because they're not going to lose the Raiders. Chat wants you to turn your mic up a little bit, Casey. Uh, just I, a little bit. I would, I would, if it were me, I would be looking at this as trying to get maybe the two seed. Um, I, I, think, I think you go ahead and you try to win the division if you can because – I, I would take the home field at, at the two seed. I understand you'd still have to go to Kansas City theoretically, but I I would be playing for the two seed there. Now, you're not – I don't – you know, Reed brings up a point in the chat. Do you rest the people against right. the Bills instead of against I, – I just don't see that happening. That's not happening. I, I just don't That's see that happening. happening. No. Um, but if you go into that Ravens game – it, I think it would be pretty tough just, one, as competitors, and two, as an organization to say that, hey, here's an opportunity in front of a national audience, potentially, like Casey said, at 430. I mean, there's sure there's a chance they could move the game into Sunday night football. Probably doesn't happen. But, you know, if, if you're talking about a national audience with the brand that the Bengals have built, all that, I, as much as you might not want to admit it, I think that all plays a little bit of a part into it. And... I would. It would be a tough thing for me to swallow to say that the Bengals have a chance to win the AFC North, and they forfeit that, and especially with a chance to you know potentially get a a, a couple of home games, not just one, but a couple of home games in the playoffs. Because if they don't beat Baltimore, then you're ending up with what a, fifth, uh, a five seed, and you have to go to Jacksonville maybe. Like, not that that's a hard task necessarily, but. Do you really – wouldn't you rather play somebody like that? Wouldn't you – would you ra – okay. Would you rather play the Chargers at home or would you rather go to Jacksonville? I'd much rather go to Jacksonville. That's where my take is completely different than most. I, I, I just – listen, I hear people in the chat. Reed's telling me that, you know, home playoff games only, only don't matter in Green Bay. Okay, well, go tell the Tennessee Titans that. How'd that work out for him? Go tell the Chiefs that. How'd that work out for him? When was the last time you seen a team win – at their home field, and I would argue the reason they win at their home field is largely because they're just a better team. You put the Chiefs against the Bills, 
in Abu Dhabi, out in Qatar, and I think you get the same result 95 out of 100 times. I really don't think home field is that big of a deal in the NFL. It was proven last year. The loudest stadium in NFL history is Arrowhead Stadium. Joe Burrow took the boys out in the second half and said, to hell with the 21-3 lead. You guys can shove it. What's it matter? I, I really don't think it matters all that often. To the fan base, yeah, it's important. Is it fun to go down to, to, to Paycor and, and get loud and have fun? Yeah, hell yeah it is. I get to why you would want to have a home playoff game in that situation. But outside the fact of what's specifically on the field, I don't. I think it's so overrated. I really do. I think the better team, more times than not, wins. And it's not because they're playing at home. It's not. So you're telling me right now, do I have two options? I could go and play. And again, let me say something else. I know Zim is probably in his, in his head right now or floating above us saying, they got to play us. They, they do. The Bengals are a good team. This isn't about trying to avoid people, but I think there's something to the idea of having the easiest path of resistance to the Super Bowl. The Bengals had it last year. Yeah. They played the Raiders. They went and played the AFC South and the Tennessee Titans, who are overrated. And then they turned around and they had to win one more game to get to the Super Bowl. And they beat the Chiefs. So I'm just saying, I'd rather be healthy and go on the road and play. And again, I'm not trying to forecast ill will and say, oh, I told you so if someone gets hurt. I'm just saying the likelihood goes up if you play your guys every single week when they've been grinding for seven, eight, nine, ten weeks. As far as the whole, you know, whatever you want to call it, like the, 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 the winning streak or the mojo, I could buy into that a little bit. I think that there's some merit to that. And if you're not going to get the one seed, that's the best argument you can make to me. Is that Trace... If the one seed's available, you can't rest your guys. And to that, I'd say I understand. Because at the end of the day, the one seed is less about, it's less about being at your home field. It's more about getting a bye, right? Then you get your rest. And then on top of that, you eliminate the opportunity to lose in the first round. So I don't, I don't know if I, if I haven't, you know, again, if I was in, that, in those shoes, the easiest thing to do is just to play your guys because no one can argue that. No one's going to be able to look back and second guess you. But I am saying that there's some merit to the idea that if you lose the division, I think the path is easier. I do. I don't want to play the Chargers. And you know what else I wouldn't really want to do? I don't know how this lays out. We could probably pull it up now. I don't want to play the Ravens again. Oh, back to back, basically. So, so I just was messing with the playoff machine and god i love this it, website if we win monday night and then we lose week 18 we rest our guys we, we let's go casey and then, by the way let's get into that really quickly i'm so tired of people saying oh are you on the team or you say we are you on the team let me tell you about that take that's a horrible take if it wasn't for fans there would be no professional football players so if a fan wants to say we they're not idiots they're not trying to say that they're on the team. They're just associating themselves with what they like. Right? I mean, that's it. It's as simple as that. They're not idiots. They're not trying to be like, well, yeah, we're in the locker room with them. We're the reason they're winning. Well, I'll tell you what. All you idiots out there that are sitting here yelling at me about having a home field advantage, you're telling me you have a, you have a thing in the game. You're basically saying, 
Trace, if it's at home, we can make a difference. Okay, then stop being in the chat telling Casey and whoever else, oh, did you see that? He said we. What an idiot. I'm so tired of that take. I'm going to stop yelling at you now. But if I have to hear about people telling me, you shouldn't use we. Are you an idiot? Are you on the team? Where's your jersey? Are you warming up with him? What time's practice today? Like, give it a rest. It's just a term to be used associating yourself with a specific team. All right. I'll shut the hell up and let Casey go. All right. So, if the way I have this right here, if we win Monday and then we rest our guys, we would have the fifth seed. Baltimore would have the third seed. And that's a, that's a, assuming that Baltimore beats Pittsburgh as well. Ravens would play the Chargers. We would play Jacksonville. And let's just say your Chargers that you really like beat the Ravens, right? They're at six. Bengals play and beat Jacksonville. All right. It's my, I have Miami making it in, sneaking in over the Patriots. And that would be Miami versus Buffalo at Buffalo one more time. Tua to finally maybe prove himself and or Buffalo wins, regardless of what happens. The Bengals would play the Buffalo Bills or Kansas City or Miami. Right? I think the – or no, I'm sorry. Kansas would either play Miami or Los Angeles. We would either play Buffalo or – What's the first round matchups? Let's say on that. The the first round matchups is Miami versus Buffalo, right. Chargers versus Baltimore, and Cincinnati versus Jacksonville. I we'll get into this in a second. I don't think Miami's making the postseason. I, I, I think that the 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 proverbial wheels or whatever term you want to use have come off the track. I mean they Tua Tua is the is the engine of that team. Now I'm not saying he's the MVP or he's great or anything like that. I just think that as Tua goes, so do the Dolphins. And that's been proven throughout the year. He got off to a hot start. They were winning games. Casey, they were eight and three. Right. They're eight and seven. Well, this is this is their final two games. They play the Patriots at yep. New England. And I have Not them good. losing that. And I by the way, they're three point dogs against the Patriots. I have them losing that game. And then they play the Jets at no. Miami, which is why I'm like, they they're probably gonna make it in. My uh, the All Jets right. are terrible. They're going to barely sneak in. And that's why I think that plus it would be a really like script wise. I think Miami going back to Buffalo would be really good just for the NFL in general. But yeah, I, I'm not a believer in Miami anymore. Obviously I got to watch them play terribly. And a lot of it just has to do with Tua. I don't think the Packers are any good. If we're being completely honest, Packers going to do this thing. Are they going to sneak in trace? I'll tell you what, if they do, they're getting my, this is what I'll say about the Packers. I genuinely mean this. I'm just thankful that there's meaningful football to be watched like now. Cause if you'd have asked me this, like a month ago, I'd have been like, yeah, it's, I have not, I have not Completely. watched this resurgence. What is, what change? Like, is is Rogers playing better? Is it what's the, what's the? Are they playing weaker teams? Like, I think they're playing weaker teams. Okay, okay. <laughs> I don't think they've, okay. I don't think they've really run into a buzzsaw quite yet. I mean, it's coming. But again, I feel like the, um, I feel like the NFC North is similar to the AFC South, where it's like there's just not any that there's not any teams that are that good. And the Vikings are just this Cinderella team, but I don't think the Vikings are all that good. So it just think it's like 
one of those deals where you sit out in a conference and, you know, like in college football or something to where everybody's playing each other. So you don't know how good anybody is. And then you realize after the bowls are over that the whole conference stinks. <laughs> I feel like that's basically the Packers division. Now, having said all that and getting off the Packers back to the Bengals, I, I just say this about the Bengals. We'll move on to another topic here. I'm not worried about if I'm a Bengals fan playing anybody. I, I, I genuinely believe that. I think that the Bengals' best football can beat anyone in the AFC. Now, I have my questions of whether or not the Bengals' best football can beat the Eagles just by the style of play. And I would also can be a little bit slightly concerned about the Bengals' running game from time to time. It seems to just completely disappear. And oftentimes, and as we've come to know, especially in the Midwest, and really all of these games are going to be played when they mean the most in cold weather conditions, you need to run the football a little bit in order to, in order to be what I would say consistent and successful. But to hell with consistency to a certain extent with the Bengals because – yeah, Jekyll and Hyde's great, but if things are going great, then who cares about how bad it can get? To a certain extent, I'd rather be like a roller coaster like the Chargers, like I would argue the Bengals, and to a certain extent, even the Bills. Now, the Chiefs, I think, have the most consistency, but I really believe this. I think the Chiefs' best doesn't beat the Bills' best. I think the Chiefs' best doesn't beat the Bengals' best. So, yeah, they have the one seed, and that looks great. And they got Patrick Mahomes. We're not going to get into that today. But at the end of the day, I really do believe that the Chiefs could possibly play one of their best games of football and get beat by the Bengals. They could also get beat by the Bills. And we'll see what happens. But at the end of the day, the only concern I have for the Bengals is simply health. I don't give a damn where they go and play. They've proven last year they can go on the road and win. They can go on the road and win again this year. Was, is it nice for the city to be able to host playoff games? Yes. Yes, it is. It would be very cool to host the AFC Championship in Cincinnati. No one's arguing that. But am I worried about playing at home? No, because I don't think it means a damn thing. Now, Black Monday's coming, fellas. And for those that don't know, Black Monday is the day after the last regular season game. For the NFL and damn near, I don't know, not half the league gets fired, but it seems like half the league gets fired every single year. Do you know the shortest NFL coaching tenure? I'm going to give the chat just a half a second. Don't Google it. Don't, don't, don't be that guy and Google it and put it in the chat. But do you know the shortest tenured head coach happens to be who? Okay, I'm going to, without Googling it, I'm going to try and do this. Is the is the answer? Do we have the answer? Yeah, we have the answer. Okay. Up just a second ago. <laughs> is the answer Urban Meyer? It is not. Somebody was shorter than Urban Meyer. Someone was shorter than Urban Meyer, and I will say too, simple. It's 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 a little bit of a trick question. Go ahead and throw the graphic up there, Casey. Okay, here we go. So, the greatest coach of all time. What? One day. And if you haven't seen the story and don't know much about it, there is, I believe, I'll have to dig this up, but I believe there's a, the, I don't know, I believe there's a documentary on Netflix or something along the lines of his tenure. Bill Belichick obviously didn't get fired. He left after one day. So, you know, take it for what you wish. There's obviously names on this list, but one thing that's intriguing, if you look at it, honestly, some of the best names 
in coaching history, and I say coaching very, very vaguely because I don't want it to be NFL coaching history, but you see a lot of names on there that are big-time names. Lou Holtz, Urban Meyer, obviously Bill Belichick. Um, that's good, Casey, for the graphic. I would say this as well. There's something to holding on into guys. I know in Cincinnati, we've become, and I say we, yeah, I don't give a damn. We've become frustrated at times, possibly in the city, about how long we keep guys. Hell, you wanted Zach Taylor fired this year in week two or three, right? I mean, that's part of fandom. People wanted him out of there after the first, or, or after, after the, uh, the, the Tampa game. You should have seen the replies in the Tampa game. When I walked, I, I, I just, I look, I live on Twitter. My life exists through Twitter. Twitter and me are just one big married couple. I went into Twitter's replies, and I was in the Bengals, the actual team account. I was in Bengals, like the reporters, the beat writers, everything. I was going through all the replies after the first probably 20 minutes of the Buccaneers game. People were just lighting Zach Taylor up. Now, I know fans are emotional, and it doesn't speak for the entire fan base. Look, I get that. I spent enough time on Twitter to know that. But the, it is always so funny to me. Because I, I will go, I will bookmark those tweets, and then I will go back to that person at two hours later when the Bengals are beating the Buccaneers <laughs> and see what they, I'm just that kind of a person. I will go back and do that. I bookmark, I save them all, I keep the receipts, and uh, God, I mean, it's just so overreact. I, but anyway, go ahead. I mean, that's part of what makes fandom fun. Oh, but, yeah. But, but I'll, I will say this about um, keeping guys. I think consistency is a great thing. And oftentimes in the NFL, you don't get that. That's too, it's too quick triggered, right? I mean, what was, unless Hackett decided he wanted Russell Wilson, unless he decided that's my guy, let's ride, bring him down from Seattle and we're going to win a Super Bowl. Unless he did that, then he's just a scapegoat here. I mean, they got a massive amount of problems and some of it may be the culture. And that's the main thing that I want to get on really quickly with Cincinnati. Like what you will about you know, the X's to O's strategy of Zach Taylor. Say what you will about the decisions that he's come up with at certain times. Trust me, I've been on the bandwagon of saying he still sucks at challenging. I don't know who the hell is telling him to throw the red flag. I will tell you that immediately last week, as soon as that red flag was thrown, I said, they can't overturn that. It's like, it's, it's way too questionable. Call on the field stance. But the one thing that you cannot say about Zach Taylor is his teammates, or I should say, well, his players, I should say, maybe not his teammates, but his players genuinely seem to like him. They respect him. He's changed the culture to a certain extent of that building. Now, you might say that's all because of Joe Burrow, and I would say you're probably damn right. But you can't fault the guy for the way in which they handle themselves. They believe that they're going to go win every single game. And if you want to get on the guy about all the X's and O's things he does, you have to turn the table and say, okay, I give him credit for the way in which he has handled this franchise. He sat up there and tried to tell people for years when they were losing before they got Burrow about how we're doing it the right way, the culture is changing, we're getting the right guys, it's going to happen. And he's bearing the fruit of his labor. And again, maybe it's just because of Joe. And you might be right. I'm not going to argue that. But I'll also say that you have to give the man his flowers. On the opposite side, that's been, a, that's been something that Mike Brown, like it or not, has done a good job of. He's helped create an environment of stability. 
Marvin Lewis forgot. I mean, he should have been fired time and time again. Trust me. I mean, he's probably over what he was. He overstayed his welcome a little too long in this city, in my opinion. And it was the running joke that he was going to get an extension after every disappointment. And sure enough, there it was. He seemed like he got an extension. But the one thing he did do is he provided stability. And I think from here moving forward, one thing that's been proven in Cincinnati, if you're a head coach or you're looking to go get somebody, if Zach Taylor decides to leave or ends up getting fired, because that's what eventually happens to every coach, is at least when you're looking to, for a, a new crop of candidates, I would assume that you'll get a pretty good pick of the litter because they, they've seen the track record. Do you know of the 22 owners that have never won a Super Bowl? 20 of them have fired a coach within the same year. That's a, that, I'm not saying that's the only reason they haven't won a Super Bowl. But oftentimes, in order to win or in order to get to the highest level, you have to have patience. You have to be able to, to, to identify that whatever you're doing behind the scenes is more important than what the perception is outside the locker room. And you just have to bear through it. And that's my prayer, quite frankly, for the Castellinis and Nick Crawl. It's hard on these streets. I get it. Not to jump subject to subject here, but it is tough on these streets right now if you're the Reds. You can't cave in to the idea that you need to go get pro you need to go and get guys to try to make it appear that we're that we're gonna win. So let's go back to the Bengals and back to the situation with the NFL. At what point do you have a line in the sand on when a guy should be let go and when he shouldn't be. At, what, did, what did Nathaniel Hackett do that makes him get fired? A genuine question to you guys. Well, I mean, it, obviously, we don't, know, we don't know what's going on in the building, but he has Russell Wilson. Did you, have you seen Russell Wilson yeah. play this year? I mean, not to get... <laughs> I can't wait for Everett. Religion! Jesus Christ couldn't have come down and been the head coach of the Denver Broncos, and they wouldn't have won games with Russell Wilson as their quarterback. Honestly. So unless he was the guy that said, I want Russell Wilson, which if he was that guy, then sure, get him out of here. But if he wasn't, maybe there's someone else to pick a bone with. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm fully with you on that point, though, Trace, that the, the quarterback situation – in Denver was the bigger issue. Now, I do have a friend who is a massive Broncos fan, and he's been complaining um, for a long time. I mean, pretty much from the beginning. I, I, I don't know what it was. I never really got to an in-depth conversation about it because I honestly didn't think that he was going to get fired in the first. You just It's so infrequent that you hear a coach get fired in the middle of their first season, so I never really entertained the thought, and I never really asked the follow-up question, well, why? But there were rumblings for weeks now, last couple months, that, hey, he's just – because even in the first two or three weeks, he looked overwhelmed. I remember back in week two or week three, you know, I'm not the smartest guy in the room when it comes to coaching decisions, but there were some obvious things that if I went back and looked, I could probably pick out. I remember by week three, there were probably two to three, maybe four coaching decisions that had gotten national attention – about what Nathaniel Hackett had done or not done that were just blatantly obvious that were like anybody in their right mind could have figured that out. Um, yeah, I I don't know. Bring back, uh, I don't know. 
Who do you bring? Gary Kubiak. <laughs> Shanahan. Shanahan. What I about mean, I, what about what about uh, Mr. Fisher? Oh, oh no! He's, no, <laughs> I mean, come on! You want some stability, man? Yeah. That guy's gonna make you. He'll be eight and eight in no time. He'll give well. You what would it be now? That's the problem. He can't come back to the eight. league. He can't come back to the league. He can't go five hundred. Yeah. If you can't go five hundred, what are you doing? Then Fisher can't come yeah, back. Fisher can't come back. Well, he could tie. And eight, maybe eight that's and part one. of it. Eight eight and one. So I was trying to do a little digging. I can't remember, but I thought I saw or yeah. heard or yeah. remembered that the current owners of the Denver Broncos actually did not hire Nathaniel Hackett, that they inherited him. Am I right or wrong on that? Does anyone remember? I don't know. Who gives a damn at the end of the but, day, to be honest? <laughs> but regardless, I'm just – what I'm trying to say is that Nathaniel Hackett came in because he was supposed to be an offensive guru. Quite honestly, it looks nothing like that at all. It looks miserable – terrible with any quarterback that's been in there doesn't matter if it's Russell doesn't matter if it's whoever their backup is I don't really care what they hired him to do he didn't do I feel like it's fair to fire him well he might have lost the guys in the locker room but we should be all over the GM for making that terrible decision to trade your entire future signing Russell Wilson before he's even made a a play for you. He's not even had a snap and you gave him this massive contract that's going to be detrimental to this team for years. Right. Here, here's one quick thing I'll say about Hackett. I, I will say that there's something, just the case, the, the case in point I made about Zach Taylor and what he's done in the locker room, those are the same things you could have questions about with Hackett. At the end of the day, my main question would be, if I'm a reporter there, is this. Was Hackett involved in the situations regarding Russell Wilson? Did he have any say in any of that? And then on top of that, if he did or did not, regardless of that, was he forced to play this guy? Because like it or not, if you go pay a guy and you give up all the draft stock that you did for Russell Wilson and then you decide to bench the guy and not play him, then it's a bad, bad look as an organization, right? It's almost like the number one draft pick in the NFL and or Major League Baseball, the number one overall pick, is going to get millions of opportunities within that organization to try to prove that they can be that guy before they get cut. And my only main thing is, is you know what, that, that does not fly in the locker room. Those guys that are busting their ass every single day trying to win football games, they don't give a damn how much you paid them. They want the best guy in there. And if the best guy's not in there, then you're going to lose the locker room, which is, which is kind of the dynamics I'm wondering what happened there. All right. Dabo, Dabo, Dabo Sweeney wouldn't have no, to change color schemes. I hate Dabo Sweeney. I, I also <laughs> have one last conspiracy off-the-rail thing. Can I share it real quick? Do it. Yep. What if oh part of the trade with Denver and Seattle was that Russell had to tank on purpose so that oh Seattle God. would get a top 10 pick to get whatever quarterback they wanted? Think about it. <laughs> think about it Casey. think about it because why would you trade Casey. a guy that's going to be a hall of fame quarterback to a team when you know you might not get something reciprocated right. back? Casey. Casey do you Casey. want some I tell you what I'm we'll do before the next show Casey done some shady things. <laughs> <laughs> Casey if you want some tin foil I can bring it to the next show Please no do. problem Please do. um last thing I'll say about Hackett he's the former quarterback coach in Green Bay Aaron Rodgers has said repeatedly 
that he is one of his favorite coaches ever. One of his favorite guys that he's ever been around. So let just, I'm going to tell you, let the conspiracy theories, if you've already heard some before, uh, let the conspiracy theories start when, when Nathaniel Hackett is linked to the Niners, the Colts, uh, whoever else probably will be in the sweepstakes for an older quarterback that might, may or may not have it. We'll find that out. Do we have it this date in history? Do we have that? We do. Let me, let let's me pull go. It up. What we got? Let's go, Casey. Pull it up. Let's Did see. Did you send here. it to me? And no. I just. I got it right here. Okay. Oh, you did All something. right. This day in history, December 27th. That's today. That's today. Archie Griffin won the Heisman as the OSU running back. Tom would like that. Yeah. Dave Shula signed as the youngest head coach in NFL history. Record all time, 1952. <laughs> Who day, fellas? And last but not least, Carson Palmer was born. Carson Palmer. Man. What a guy. Carson Palmer, I'll tell you right now, let me tell you something about Carson Palmer. You don't need to hear this from me, but Carson Palmer was a, was that guy for a minute. I mean, if his knee didn't get shattered, Carson Palmer might be talked about a little differently around here. I'm not saying he would have taken you to the promised land and for sure won, but they looked pretty damn good that year. And I'm not trying to bring up bad memories for Bengals fans. So we'll leave it at that. Um, I'll tell you right now, I've said it before. I If I'm a Bengals fan, I'm thankful that I have Joe Burrow. And if I'm a Dolphins fan, I'm a little concerned about what I have with Tua. Tua's in a situation now where I genuinely don't know if his play on the field resembles a concussion situation or if he's just not good. I do think he has some of the best weapons in football. I've said it before. Gasecki, uh, their tight end, was one of the best tight ends in the league last year. Now, he's had a down year, and some of that may be due to system, but I've stood by this take as well. Tyreek Hill, in my opinion, is one of the best playmakers I've ever seen in this league since I've, seen, since I've started watching it. That guy is a complete difference maker. You put him on any team, and their offense instantly gets better. You add in Jalen Waddell, next thing you know, you got... Something, in my opinion, you're going to kill me, similar to the Bengals. I mean, you have similar weapons as Joe Burrow, right? And I'm not here to say that, that, that Hill and Chase, and well, you're splitting hairs at that point. I'm not going to here to argue who's better and who's worse. But I will say Tua does less with more than almost, at least in my opinion, anyone in this league on the back half of the year. And I don't know if it's a concussion situation. I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist here. I would just say the Dolphins are in trouble. And you talk about, Tom always says, oh, they're leaking oil. But I don't know if they're leaking oil. I think that the engine isn't even starting. Right here, Casey's got a, a clip. The hell with those copyrights. Throw that clip up there, Casey. I think we're way beyond that. Yeah, we're be we're past that. But this is the play in question in that game. Yep, that people are pointing out. This He's is the back of the head situation, right? Yep. yep. Just watch him. Boom. Oh, bounced off the ground. I mean, yeah. He here's my thing with this, and this is where you know, to his to his overall longevity in this league is going to be a problem. If that play right there was the cause of a concussion. 
then Tua is going to have a really, really difficult situation on his hands in regards to trying to steer clear of concussions. And now I'm not obviously a, a physician or an expert or a doctor, but it gets progressively worse when it comes to these concussions, right? You become right. much, much more sensitive to getting a concussion after you've had a plethora of them. Yeah. And Tua is now at a point where if that play right there was the cause of a concussion, I genuinely don't know if this guy's going to be playing football in a year or two, you know? Um, and the Dolphins are in a spot where, you know, like it or not, I don't think, I know people say all two is a good quarterback. I don't know if I buy into that yet. Let, I, I, I would say this, go get another reputable quarterback and put them in the Dolphins organization and let their, uh, you know, I'll say what it, it is, what it is. Their, their head coach, a little bit of a dork, but, but you know what he does Mike do? McDaniel? Mike McDaniel's a little bit of a dork. But you know what he does do? I think he does a good job of schematics. I think he puts his, puts his players in a good position to play well. And I don't know if it's Tua is the answer at the end of the day. And for a team that was coming into the Cincinnati on Thursday night, shows you how great this league is. We were talking about the Dolphins being one of the best teams in the entire NFL. And they've now found themselves on the outside, in my opinion, looking in. I'm telling you right now, they're, they're, I think they're going to lose the last two games of the regular season. And if they don't, they're going to find themselves in a predicament where they're probably going to get their, their tails kicked in the playoffs. Um, Wait, before we, before we move on here, uh, just a reminder that Tom will be back, not in studio, but he'll be back on a Zoom call. He'll be back right. on the show tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow, Thursday, Friday, I think Monday too. He'll be back in studio next Tuesday. Um, but we're just going along as we're doing it today. This should bring back Fitz magic. Let him see if he can throw to Tyreek Hill. I'll tell you what. I mean, you know what I think? I, I think that a, a team like the Texans should call up the entire Thursday night football crew and see if they're all willing to come back. Why not? <laughs> I mean, at this point, at this point, we got Whitworth. He's trying to come back. Now you're suggesting that Ryan Fitzpatrick comes back. Let's see if, I mean, who else is on that set? Sherman. Sherman's on the set. You bring him back. They do have a pretty good bunch up there, don't they? Now, I haven't listened to a single second of it, but maybe they're talking insightful football on Thursday nights. By the way, did Amazon, and I know, I know it relatively even doesn't matter, the games that are played, point proven. I haven't seen the ratings on, on Christmas Day. I'm willing to bet the NFL just dominated the NBA when NBA's obviously been their well, day all season. The best NBA game happened at midnight. I don't know if you stayed up and watched it, but no. the, the best NBA game was the Nuggets game that ended at like 1 a.m. Yeah, and I, I, I think that it's we're in a situation here where the NFL is king and will always be king. And my point to all of this is that it doesn't matter what the NFL does. If they put a product on the television... People are going to watch it. But Amazon kind of got fleeced is where I was going with this. Oh. I mean, they, they, they have literally the worst primetime package I think I've ever seen. And not that the other ones were that great this year. What, why, why is that this year? How come this year the primetime games were just terrible? Was it bad luck? Well, the Broncos well, being bad was a big blow. Because the Broncos played on primetime. They, they filled up their primetime slots. That didn't help. Uh, the the Bengals-Dolphins game is really the only one that sticks out to me that I can remember being very good. Just We're, we're talking Monday night or Thursday night, right? Are we also well, talking Sunday, Sunday night's night? primetime, too. Yeah, I mean, come on. Sun Everybody's waiting all They've day had... for Sunday night football, Casey. What the hell are you talking about? There, there's been a couple... 
There's been a lot more Sunday night games that are better than the Monday night and Thursday night, which is Sunday night's been fine, I think. Chris yeah. Collinsworth, by the way, he's starting to get that. Uh, he's starting to get that. You know. Uh, courage of, of 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 whatever you want to call it of older age i don't know what the term would use he's kind of he kind of reminds me of the grandpa that's at the thanksgiving dinner that's just like tells one of their grandkids he's like ah you ugly hey, hey ugly send me down the potatoes it's like he's done lost the filter i mean i hope it stays i hope it sticks maybe it was just like a little small thing but he was killing tom brady i was there for it. joe buck had a great game last night too did you hear him singing i think that they're all starting to realize and again I don't know if this has been told to them, but they're all starting to realize that we listeners like human beings. We, we like them to see the personality in them. It's okay to not always be like, you know, this perfect Joe Buck that has to be perfect on every call. You know, let it, let it, let it hang a little bit. I've loved Joe Buck for years. I, I think the Joe Buck hate is very tired. I think he's one of the best broadcasters at the professional level, he has a big game voice. He knows how to do a, a, a moment the right way. And one of the one of the things, and look, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go down my broadcasting tangent, but I will say for people that don't like Joe Buck, the perfect example of why Joe Buck is good is because he always does what you call in broadcasting is laying out, which means when there's a big moment, you don't talk. You just let the crowd or the moment speak for itself. The, the most prime example of that moment and one of the best pieces of, of videography, photography, directing, everything, I'd love to hear Jolly Jolly's take on this, was the Vikings playoff game where Case Keenum won that game. I think it was – was it the Miracle? Was it the Miracle? Yeah, Minnesota Miracle. Was it that game? I don't – was that the game where they had to come back onto the field to kick the extra point right after the touchdown? Because that's what I'm thinking about. And the whole crowd was doing the skull chant, and they, they zoomed in on Case Keenum. Joe Buck said one line, and he let the whole clip breathe, and they zoomed out to show the whole crowd doing the skull. That clip right there is why Joe Buck, Joe Buck is one of the best. He's just so good, and it's so fun now to hear him, like, last night singing or two weeks ago when he was doing the Bucks game. We showed the clip on here on the show. It's just nice hearing they Collinsworth lighting up Brady. I mean, it's fun hearing these guys that have been around for so long and been. I mean, they're a part of our lives. As, as wild no as doubt. that is to say, I mean, for as much time as we invest into watching Monday Night Football, into watching Sunday Night Football, for I haven't watched a ton of Thursday Night Football this year because it's streaming, and I just, you know, you guys know me. I'm a cable guy. I don't go to the streaming <laughs> thing. If it's, not on, if it's not on the TV guide, it's not for if Paul. If it's not on that TV guide, if I can't roll through it, then it's not for me. But it uh, sounds like I haven't missed much. I do have Prime. I've watched a little bit, but not a ton. But anyway, yeah. Well, I, I would say this as well. Um, I think as far as the product it goes, it genuinely doesn't matter a whole lot, especially with gambling becoming more and more prevalent. Obviously, people find ways in which try to make try to make these games exciting. And I think overall, the extra playoff spots have helped the league, right? It has made it to where, look at all the teams this year that had a chance to make the postseason going into last week. I mean, the Browns, the stinking Browns, as you called them. If the Browns would have won against the Saints last week, I'm not saying they had a good likelihood of making the postseason, but in all seriousness, that whole entire fan base would still have hope. And that's obviously where, to a certain extent, Tom gets up here and talks about how in baseball, big money has ruined the sport. 
But at the end of the day, the only thing that you could possibly do, in my opinion, to try to help save baseball is to find a way to afford an opportunity to more and more teams be be looking or have the opportunity to be a part of the postseason. Because ultimately, that's, that's, that is the season, right? The regular season is nothing more than a formality of trying to figure out where you're going to land in the postseason. And that's the thing that stinks about sports to a certain extent is that you can have a great year like the Bengals have had. If you guys, you know, if you were to lose in the first round, it's, it's going to feel terrible and disappointing. And the same could be said about the Chiefs. I mean, if the Chiefs don't go to the Super Bowl, their fan base is going to be absolutely pissed. And it's one of those things where maybe that's the beauty in sports. I don't know. You take irrationality, or you take rationality, I should say, and you throw it completely out the window. Who gives a damn? And I guess that's the term for a fanatic, right? I'm not breaking any news here. Um, but there's some other things. From a broadcaster standpoint, and I'll say this about Tom as well, and not that I'm, not that I'm um, saying this just because he's here, et cetera, et cetera. I will be the first to admit, before I met Tom, I wasn't a huge fan of Tom because I was obviously a Reds homer, and I felt like there was times in which Tom would become relatively negative surrounding the Reds. But when it comes to a broadcast, there are only a handful of people that I genuinely would say they are elite at their job. And I'm not just saying this because he's here. But if Tom Brenneman doesn't call another game in the NFL, then honestly, it's a shame. It, it, it really is. Now, what we would do at Chatterbox if he got another opportunity to go back to the NFL, which I hope he does, I don't know. We'll figure it out. Hopefully, <laughs> Sir Boy Wonder and Everett in the chat and everybody else will be able to keep us afloat and we'll find a ways to win. But at the end of the day, there's only a handful of them. Joe Buck, Gus Johnson. Al Michaels. Al Michaels. Um, you know, I'm sure the chat's going to be, Iron Eagle's good. And the biggest one in my life, the one that's meant the most, the one that I can remember vividly, the one that's been all a part of a lot of big moments is Jim Nance. Jim Nance for me, kind of when he retires, it's going to be like, damn, I don't want to say I'm getting old, but it's going to be like a lot of my moments in, in, in news or moments in sports, I should say, um, have come from the voice of Jim Nance. And I think Tom Brenneman um, very much is a part of that conversation. And hopefully he'll get a chance to do it again. But I digress. One thing that Tom Brenneman does have is he does have an extreme love and fandom of the Ohio State Buckeyes. If you haven't noticed, my man does bring up Buckeye players any opportunity that he gets. If the Bengals play well, <laughs> I am convinced my man Tom is digging into Eli Apple stats immediately. <laughs> Sam Hubbard stats immediately. Oh, by the way, did you see Nick Boza play well? Josie, Joey Boza's going to be back in week 17. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, man, we got to get Tom on like a Buckeye podcast because it's, he loves the Bucks. I mean, is this not a Buckeye podcast? I don't <laughs> think it is, but... Jim Nance is one of those guys, I see the chat talking and reminiscing about guys they've grew up with. Jim Nance is one of the few broadcasters that I think genuinely has never gotten hate. Yeah, I think the only criticism I've ever seen of Jim Nance is just that he, like, maybe would get monotone. He'll never, he'll never do the, he'll never get up for the big moment, but he always knows how to do the big moment the right way. And maybe that's because he's a golf guy, too. Like, he does the Masters so well um you know two guys that i think fly very under the radar 
that you don't hear much of, but I think do a phenomenal job at March Madness. Two of the best, in my opinion, Kevin Harlan, who was put on this earth to be a broadcaster. Kevin Harlan is the best. And the other one is Brian Anderson. Kevin Harlan and Brian Anderson are unbelievable broadcasters. Harlan is great at football. Anderson is phenomenal at college basketball. He does baseball, too. He does the NBA. Um, but I, I love both of those guys. They're, they're really, really good. I'm sorry. I, I just wanted to know, uh, who's doing the Super Bowl this year? Is it Fox? Um, so, oh, this could, is an indictment on whoever's advertising for the Super oh, it's Bowl. Not that Fox. They, it's tough. Paul, Paul, pull that up while we're looking. I know the chat's going to know that answer, and I know Jolly Jolly's definitely going to know. Um, I was just curious. Is it CBS now again? Did it finally make the rotation Fox. for Jim again? Or? Fox. Ah, it's Fox. Oh, so that'll be Burkhart. That, that was last year. No, 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 no. no last no, year, last year was, uh, no, last year was, it was, uh, was, uh, was Collins. Oh, it was, yeah. Was yeah. No, Fox. Damn. So that's, that's, okay. uh, Burkhart. Yeah. Burkhart and Greg Olson. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Let's move on to another subject. That's a little deflating, if you will. <laughs> you got, you're not a Burkhart guy? <laughs> it's not that I'm a, it's not that I'm not a Burkhart guy. It's that I, I, I genuinely feel like, um, Listen, it's, I'm I'm not going to get into that. I I just I just I just wish that there was an opportunity for people that have worked their whole lives to 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 do a really good job to take to take a sincere passion and effort into something, get rewarded at the very end of that journey. And there's there's something to the fact that Fox has this this year, and that Joe Buck's not there. That's a little depleting. Harlan was selling insurance. This isn't about Harlan. <laughs> but Buck, but are you saying that But Buck chose to go to ESPN? I know this. I, I don't think you know where I'm going, and, I, and I'll leave it at that. And when we go to a break or we're done with the show, then I can Maybe clearly I stay. I know the chat's going to pick up on this. I, I'm just saying that there is someone that, 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 that worked at I'll get into it. There's someone that worked at Fox for a very long time. Very long time. Was at Fox when Fox started doing sports. And for all intents and purposes, was one of the premier broadcasters for that network for a very long time. And unfortunately, that person would probably have been afforded the opportunity to call the Super oh, I Bowl. Missed that sentence. Got it. Got it. And unfortunately, that's not going to happen. And that's just, again, I'm not here to suggest that that's, that's, that shouldn't be the case or nothing. We're not, we're not going to get into that debate. I just, it's just a little deflating at times because at the end of the day, when you're behind the scenes, when you work with, obviously who we're talking about at this point at Tom, you get to see who he is as a person and he has a big heart and he genuinely does care about a lot of people. He cares about animals more than anyone I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. He was talking to me about the farm animals. And, 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 and you know, there was a story, there was a story that Tom had said as well. Um, you know, the first person that found out about Tom's, you know, uh, well, not Tom's pregnancy, but his wife's pregnancy was obviously the very group of people that everybody thinks that he hates. And I don't think that's the case at all. Now, I'm not here to go down this rabbit hole and get into a debate about whether or not sincere or not sincere. All I would say about this, all I would say is this, this is the last thing I'm gonna say about it. You could tell a lot about a person and their sincerity 
when they don't have anything left to gain by acting a certain way, do they still act that way? Do they still go to these committees? Do they still try to be involved in helping correct a wrong that they made? And the idea that it's been pretty, pretty evident that the opportunity isn't going to come back and they still do those things, they still do those things, says a lot about the human being in, in general. And all I would like to have seen happen is a little bit of forgiveness and giving someone an opportunity. Now, obviously at this point, yeah, you could say he's a friend, but I'm coming from, this is coming from a guy that quite frankly, wasn't a huge fan before, but when you get to know people and you get to see their genuine nature and who they truly are, it's, it's just disappointing. Now, again, you know, one person not being able to do something opens up the opportunity for someone like you said before, someone that's very deserving. It's less, it's not about yeah. him, not about him at all. I missed your intro there. Right. Got it. And, and at the end of the day, that's all this is about for me. So it is what it is. We'll move on. We'll talk about something that, that, that is also near and dear to Tom Sorry, at Ohio State. It's, 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 it's no secret, okay, that I love Georgia. In fact, if I had to rate my fandom... I think I would put Georgia football number one and number one B would probably be the Cincinnati Reds. And I could argue that could go back and forth. And then after that, it is what it is. Packers, you know, Jayhawks, et cetera, et cetera. Obviously, you've heard me say this before. Um, I do think Georgia could be in trouble just because Vegas is telling me so. If I didn't have anything to go off of other than that, I don't know if as a Georgia fan, I'd be mildly, I wouldn't be super concerned about it. But there's a couple quick keys and, and things that I want to talk about very quickly um, about this, you know, if you will, the, the, the Bing, or not the Bengals, excuse me, the Buckeyes and the Bulldogs. George is one of those teams where the main goal is to play complementary football, okay? Which is a fancy way of saying, like, you know, they control the football on offense. And that's essentially what complementary football is about. Um, I don't know if Georgia's offense is really all that explosive. What Georgia's offense is, is a lot of 12 personnel. Now, if you don't really know what 12 personnel is, it's a fancy way of saying two tight ends, one running back, two wide receivers. They will run that out there significantly, right? And the one thing that their offense is going to do to Ohio State is one of two things. If they don't convert on third down, Ohio State's going to get the football back more times than not of, of, of not giving up many points because Georgia's going to find themselves into a lot of third downs. Okay. That's what they do. That's the strength of their offense actually is that it's four yards here. It's five yards here. It's four yards there. And next thing you know, you wear down a defense. Ohio state on the opposite hand is completely the opposite on offense, right? They, they rely exclusively almost entirely on big plays and rightfully so they have, one of the best quarterbacks in the country. They have Marvin Harrison Jr., who, for my money, is the best wide receiver in the country. And I think we're in a position now where the only key to this game that I will give you, that I will say, is this. Ohio State, and I've dug into the math because I've been trying to figure out, you know, what is Vegas seeing that I'm not seeing? What does Vegas know that I'm not knowing? And I've gone back and I've watched some games. And I will say this. Ohio State has not been physically dominated all year long. They weren't dominated in that Michigan game. Now, you might think, oh, look at it, bully ball. Last year, Michigan bullied Ohio State, okay? 
they did. But this year, if you go back and watch that game, Ohio State, they 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 were just as physical as Michigan was. So the idea that George is just going to go down there and bully these guys is not the case. That's not going to happen. But what, what can happen is this. I'll make a point for Georgia. I'll make a point for Ohio State. And then we'll let the chat decide on what we want to finish this show off of. George is going to be in a situation where they go on what I call death marches. They've done it to every team this year. Every time they've needed to go on a long, sustaining drive, they've done it. And it's really behind what I would call the two tight ends that they have. You're going to hear, as soon as the telecast comes on, you're going to hear them talk about Darnell Washington and Brock Bowers. Two of the best tight ends in college football. Maybe the two best tight ends in football. But what they don't want to tell you about with those two tight ends is they are the best blocking tight ends. They're good because they can block really, really, really well. So what Georgia does oftentimes is they're going to run counters. And as the kids would say, they're going to bring that smoke. And they're going to keep bringing that smoke. And if you don't get off the field on one or two of those first uh, third down and threes or third down and twos, if you don't get off the field, forget about it. They're going to go down on a 14-play drive and score more than likely. And if that happens to Ohio State, they're in trouble. But here's the reverse side of that. Ohio State is the best in the country, okay, at, at covering tight ends. Where Ohio State has been hurt is on the outside. They've had trouble in the Michigan game, obviously. And anytime you play a game like the Michigan game, it's gonna, the, all the statistics are going to get skewed because, realistically speaking, you're not going to give up two 80-yard run touch, running touchdowns in a game. But they did. And Ohio State has a situation at, at, at receiver right now with Ladd McConkey, who was a two-star or three-star quarterback. And that's the funny thing about Georgia. Two of their best playmakers are a no-star guy out of high school and a two-star guy out of high school when they got a bunch of five-star guys. At the end of the day, Ladd McConkey's been dealing with a knee injury, and he actually left the SEC championship game. And A.D. Mitchell, who is their second best, or their, really their number one wide receiver, has played in two games all year long. He's been hurt all year long. So if you want to try to create a narrative for Ohio State and say, okay, well, why do they stand a chance? I would argue that's why they stand a chance. They do a really good job of inside the numbers of being able to control the tight ends, right? And if they're able to control the run game just a little bit, Georgia can and will struggle. And Stetson Bennett, as much as I love him, there are times in which he'll, you will scratch your head and it almost seems like he's gotten bored of getting four, four yards here, five yards here. And he'll, make, he'll try to thread a needle that he's not trying to, he should not try to throw it in. And maybe you get some turnovers that way. On the opposite side, really quickly about Ohio State, the concern I would have, if you will, if you're a, if you're a Buckeye fan, would be being able to run the football. Jalen Carter on defense for uh, for Georgia is, and this isn't me being a homer, he's the best football player in the country that's playing college right now. He will be a top five pick. He is, in my opinion, if you want to give it some context, he's the best D-tackle that Georgia's had since I've started watching. And I don't know why my mind's drawing a blank right now, but fellas, you can help me. Why can't I think of the nose tackle that came out? Atkins. Geno Atkins. And I thought Geno Atkins was good. But Jalen Carter's better than Geno Atkins. And you what about seem Jordan like Davis? He's better than Jordan Davis. Well, that's high praise. Yeah. And, 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 and I will say this, though. A lot of the, the statistics mirror 
last year's team defensively for Georgia as this year's team defensively for Georgia. There's really not too many. There's not a whole lot of difference on paper. Now, I will say on the field, I can admit there's a lot of difference. And Georgia has some issues in their secondary, okay? They have young defensive backs. They got a, they got a soft, two sophomores, and they got a true freshman at safety, all right? That usually doesn't bode well when you have to go up, uh, go up against first-round NFL wide receiver talent and NFL quarterback. Having said all that, if Georgia can stop the run with just four, maybe five, then Ohio State's going to have some issues there. But I, I will say this. I'll pose this question to you guys, and we'll get, in, we'll get into some more Bengal stuff. If Ohio State played a decent half of football in the second half against Michigan, just one half, one decent half of football, what would the narrative be? What would the outlook on Ohio State football be? As humans, we are such, such prisoners of the moment. We're so easily influenced. If Ohio State went out and played a decent second half of football and beat Michigan— You'd hear people talking about how they are the best team in college football, period. But instead, it is what it is. They went out, call it fluke plays, call it missed assignments, call it whatever you want. I don't care. Michigan did what they did and give them their flowers, give them their credit. But let's not sit here and act like Ohio State is bad. Let's not, let's not sit here and act like Ohio State isn't the second best team in the country, in my opinion. This is coming from a Georgia fan. And I think at the end of the day, that's, what's Vegas, that's what Vegas is leaning their hat on. They're saying, okay, if Ohio State went out and just played a decent half of football in the second half of, uh, against Michigan, this line that we're talking about right now would be two points, maybe three. And, and it would feel normal to everybody. Everybody would say, okay, that seems right. But instead, two years in a row, Michigan's punked Ohio State. And now you got questions about Ryan Day. And that's the last thing I want to get into here really quickly. And the one thing I'll say about Georgia's offense is it's similar to like nuclear energy, power. Now, I don't know if you know much about nuclear power, but it's without question the most efficient way to be able to produce energy. Okay. And we all know things about nuclear energy as well. If it goes sideways, it could go sideways really, really bad. And that's what I see with Georgia's offense. If it goes well for them, they're unstoppable. They literally are unstoppable. They'll score 40, 50 points like they did in the SEC championship game. If you, get them off the, if you get them off the field early on third downs, those third and ones, if you get them off the field on that first third and one, it can look like the Missouri game for Georgia. So that's the key. That, that in and of itself, in my opinion, is the key to the game at the end of the day. Can Ohio State get off the field early? Because I don't think they're going to hold them to many field goals if they get in the red zone. So, fellas... I know the chat, some of them hate college football. Some of them love college football. That's what's difficult about doing a show at times and times. But the last thing I'm going to say about college football until we move on to the Bengals and we'll wrap this thing up is Ryan Day. Ryan Day is in one of the most difficult situations a head coach has ever been because he's won. He's done everything he's been asked to do for the most part of Ohio State outside of one thing, and that's beat Michigan and then win a national championship. For, for my money, Ryan Day is one of the best head coaches in college football. But let me tell you something. If he does not win a national championship this year, which is hard to do, and he does not beat Michigan next year, who returns a lot of guys, and Ohio State's losing some guys, I think he's fired. I think he is fired. Am I wrong? I think he'll be on the hot seat. 
Whether he actually gets fired or not, I don't know. But, boy, if he – if they get blown out, say, by Georgia and then lose again at Michigan next year, oh. He would be gone. And it, how wild is that that they could go 11-1, and one, right? They could go 11-1, and one, lose to Michigan next year, and he'll get fired. I, I genuinely think that's the case. Now, I'm not here to say that he should be, but he will be. He, he, he 100% will be. Who do you get? What do you do? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I mean, there will be so many pissed off boosters. So many fans. Ohio State's the number one fan base in college football by, by not by a mile. Alabama's right behind them. Texas A&M. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I don't even mean from a booster standpoint. I'm saying like the, ima- the amount of people that follow Ohio State football is the biggest brand in college football. Tom said it wasn't even close. <laughs> Oddly enough, it is very close with Alabama. I think the last time I seen it was like 3.9 million fans would consider themselves fans of Ohio State. In my mind, these numbers might be way off. I'll have to look it up. But it was it was 3.9 and then and then Alabama was 3.1. I'll get that. I'll get those for tomorrow's show. But having said that, heads will roll. It will be over for my man with Ryan Day. Because here's the thing. If he were to lose against either Georgia or Michigan, I don't think TCU is winning that football game, but let's, hell, even if TCU beats him. If TCU beats him, it might be worse because then if TCU were to beat Ohio State, you're going to turn around and say, you're going to turn around and say, well, not only can they not beat the teams that bully them around like Michigan and, and Georgia, now we can't even beat TCU who just out of one year out of thin air got Sonny Dykes comes in. Like, it's, it's, you're, you're damned if you do. You're damned if you don't if you're Ryan Day. You've gotten yourself into a position where everyone's questioning the manhood of the locker room. Like, that's where they're at. They're like, well, they're not tough enough. And you know who, you know who might just take that job? Who I know no one's going to question the toughness of that team. Got a guess? Anybody? You don't have a guess at all. Oh, I thought you were asking a I mean, I could, question. No, I could, no rhetorical question. I'm sorry. I could throw in Luke Fickle. Nope. Uh, By the way, Fickle. I, 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 Fickle fleeced the Bearcats a little bit here. I'm going to tell you. I think he – listen, a great job at Cincinnati. He's seen the cupboard was bare, folks. He's not an idiot. He looked around this at the beginning of this year and was like, damn, missed on my quarterback. I got Ben Bryant out here. I'm going to start Ben Bryant and win as many games as I can, but I got to get the hell up out of here because if I have to go in the, into the Big 12 with this roster, I my my draft stock or whatever whatever stock you want to call it is going way down. Having said that, there's one guy that I can think of that I know for a fact would be a home run for the Ohio State and everyone would love it. Urban Meyer. Well, <laughs> believe it or not, no. Current head coach? Yep. Last guess, I'm going to give it to you. I don't know. Vrabel. Oh, Vrabel oh, struggling. Okay. Vrabel struggling a little bit down there in Tennessee. If you're Vrabel, you start to look around. You ask yourself, man, this isn't getting any easier for me. Derrick Henry isn't getting younger. Tannehill's not looking too good. Speaking into existence. I can go to Ohio State and be the guy. And, and that's the guy that Ohio State fans would be happy about because they're going to bring back some toughness. But I'm telling you right now, if Ryan Day doesn't win the national championship this year and then loses to Michigan, fired. The only chance he'd have to possibly save his job after that would be to win a national championship next year if somehow they were to get in again. Seriously. 
You can call me crazy. Unless he gets fired on the spot on that game. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> fired in Ann Arbor. I <laughs> doesn't even make it home. No, I don't think he's going to get the – he's not going to get the uh, – who was Her, that? Herm the, the Lane Kiffin approach or the Herm, Herm Edwards. Edwards. Yeah, Herm Edwards. Yeah, he was let go before he even got into the red zone. Yeah. Did you see that? I see mean, ya. He's walking off the field and they're like, hey, hey, hey. Hold on a second. <laughs> Hold on a second. Just so you know. Your locker's been cleaned out. Your desk has already been taken care of. Two men in a truck are already <laughs> headed down to, to Bristol. I talked to ESPN last night. They got a job waiting for you. See that post-game set? Yeah, you just go on over there. Go take a seat. I, I, I tell you what. Um, last thing. We'll, we'll finish the show on this. Um, the Bengals are in a position now where this is, this is the standard, right? This is the standard. This is the expectation. And I would just say this as Bingo fans. I think that that's the right approach to have with this team. I think that it's one of those things where if you have Joe Burrow and you just have some of the kind of what I would talk about as the, the premier guys around you. By the way, one thing that we don't do enough around here, and I'm being serious when I say this. There's a couple companies that really pay the bills around here. I'm being serious. One of those is Pawnee, all right? We'll get to Pawnee, uh, and the other one's Encore. We'll get to Pawnee in a second. We'll do Encore now. But Encore Technologies, John Burns down there um, in Norwood, believe it or not. I don't know if you know that, Paul. Norwood. Norwood. Leader of cities. That's right. But the Bengals report is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solution for a data-centered world. With a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models to improve efficiency and productivity, visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. So to finish my point really quickly, and we'll do some Pawnee in a second, is, uh, is I think you're in a position now as a Bengals franchise to where if you don't go to the playoffs... Is it, is, it, is it a situation where, I don't, I don't want to say be greedy, but in all honesty, for the next five years, if I told you as Bengal fans, you're going to make the playoffs three times, are you happy? Honestly, chat, tell me. Five years, make the playoffs three times. How bad are you in the off years? Is it <laughs> like you just missed it? Or like Burrow I, tore his ACL and you go two and No, 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 no. 15. Fully healthy. Fully healthy. Fully healthy. You got to think, too. I mean, just missing the postseason. I mean, come on. Just missing the postseason is almost like a 500 record, honestly, at this point. I mean, there's so many teams that get in the postseason. And I don't say so many, but good enough teams to get in the postseason now. Yeah, where, listen, if you're not making the postseason, it is what it is. So I would pose that question to the chat and you guys. Five seasons, starting after this year in a row, you make it in three of them. No. You know what I expect? The fifth seed or higher every year. Okay. Paul? Yeah, I'd say, I would say, uh, I mean, obviously you would take it three out of five years, but I think there would be a little disappointment, especially if it was you missed it the next two years and then you made it the three after. Like after this run where the Bengals have been so good, say they don't make it for the next two years. And then they get things rolling again. You know, they don't re-sign guys. Or you lose some pieces. Somebody gets hurt. Somebody doesn't come back. You leave in free agency. And then you got to rebuild a little bit for a year. 
get you know get your feet back under you that'd be tough the tough thing about sports too is this the super bowl can wipe away a lot of things right if you win the super bowl honestly i would say this and i know i know the answer in the chat and i know what you guys are going to say if i said you're going to win one super bowl in the next five years do you give a damn what happens in the other four no and that's the point of sports that's what's crazy about sports is that it's so it's so finicky if you will right it's 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 such a situation where they could go to five straight afc championship games go to the super bowl three times not win the Super Bowl, and honestly, I, there's not satisfaction in the city. Well, look at the Nationals. I mean, I'm a Nationals fan, and the Nationals, you know, we've joked about it, sold their soul for the 2019 World Series, right? They went and got everybody in free agency. They've moved – they put all their chips on the table to win that. They All of their, their minor league stock, their draft cap, everything to win that 2019 World Series. Yep. They won it. They have been the worst team in baseball – I don't care. And that's where I'm at now with the Bengals. I don't know when the narrative shifts. I don't know when the, 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 the pressure starts to mount, but it's coming. If it's not here already, it's coming. Not to quote Deion Sanders, but it's coming. Because the expectations for this franchise right now with guys on rookie contracts is to win now. And not just win, but to win the whole damn thing. And it seems like the Bengals have been this darling Cinderella run, right? Like, oh, you know what? If we don't get it this year, we're going to get it next year. At what point, I would ask, does that start to build to be pressure? Not that I'm hoping that. Not that I'm wishing that. Not that I want that to happen. But I am suggesting the idea that the Bengals are in a spot right now to where if they don't win the Super Bowl this year or next year, and the Super Bowl, by the way, is really hard to win, as we all know. At what point does the city turn and almost have this expectation where it's Super Bowl or bust? And I think that it's coming sooner than later. And I wonder how that narrative affects the franchise. Now, some think I'm crazy. Some might say, Trace... The fan base, the fans, they don't affect anything in regards to the city. They don't affect nothing. It's just the players on the field, right? The we guys. The guys that want to sit there and pound their hand on the desk and say the we guys are idiots. I think there's something to the idea that playing in New York is a hell of a lot different than playing in Pittsburgh. And the reason why is not because the field dimensions are different. It's not because the game's different. Because the things that surround the building are different. And my only small concern for Cincinnati has been that they are the Cinderella team going on the Cinderella run, and they're all young, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But if they don't win this year and they don't win next year, I think that the pressure to win is going to be at an all-time high. So what I would say is this. This is my point in the whole thing. Do whatever the hell you got to do to go get the pieces you need to win now. And I think they've done a good job of that. But continue to do it. That draft capital, the draft stock, forget it, guys. I'm being serious. For the next three to four years, you trade away whatever the hell you want to trade away and go get guys that are going to help you win now. Because at the end of the day, that's all that matters. The Packers have been unbelievably successful for the past 20 years. Right? In my lifetime that I can remember, they've won one Super Bowl. And you know what? 
that's okay by me because you get to feel like what it's like to be on top. And I would just say that's the same case with the Reds. If the Reds have to pull what the Marlins do and they suck, 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 give me one, one World Series championship in every 15 years, 20 years, I'll take it. Just don't be marginal. So that's my last point about the Bengals. Go do whatever you got to do to shore up the holes. They tried to do that this offseason, to be fair, with the line. But continue to do it. Draft capital is overrated. Pull a Rams and go out and get everybody. Anyways. Uh, I just looked down at the chat. We've completely lost the chat. You got any uh, comment on Christopher Nolan, Trace? Am I supposed to know who that is? Christopher Nolan? Oh, no. Casey? You you take it. Uh, it. Christopher Nolan, like the movie director? No, but I'm going to Google him now. Oh, Trace. Well, I mean, I'm I not mean, there. He's, are, are, you, are you telling, are the guy that, that's not cultured at all telling the guy that's not cultured at all to feel bad? Well, I mean. All right, what about, I got Christopher Nolan I haven't up. seen zero. Movies. I see him. What about him? What's the well, chat I don't saying? know. The ch- I, I look down for two seconds and I see the, I see the chat. We, I don't know what happened with the chat, but literally all they've done for the last, Five minutes. No, they're killing me. They're killing me. Sorry, I don't know the guy. I don't know the guy. But you've seen his movies, right? Listen, I don't watch a whole lot of movies. Maybe. That's fair. I don't watch a ton of movies. I really don't. I mean, I'm not going to get up here and get on a soapbox about why why I'm not cultured. Come on. There's a reason I'm not cultured. I mean, when you do the things in my life that I've done, and I'm not saying I'm better than anyone else. I genuinely, for those that don't know, I have three kids. I had a kid when I was 22 years old. I was working at Starbucks when I had my first kid. I, I you know, I, I was poor, broke. I had to, for the most part, work my whole life. I'm hoping that when I'm 40 or 45, 50 years old that I might be able to have time to, to, to reap the benefits of all these. Now, again, I'm not sitting here to make that this isn't about it being an excuse. That's just the reality of the situation. Not a big Batman guy? No. Dark, Dark Knight Rises? Dark seen Dark Knight Rises is a good movie. You've seen The Dark Knight? Honestly, if you told me right now, like, if you 100% seen it, I would say I don't know. I mean, if we're going to get into this, I'm telling you right now, I've not seen a lot of movies. Uh, that, there's a lot of movies right. I haven't seen either. What about Interstellar? Never seen Interstellar. Oh, Inception. Inception was good. Inception was better than Interstellar, in my opinion. Dunkirk. Dunkirk was slow, but I liked it. People hated it. You seen Dunkirk? <laughs> no. Just, oh, let me tell you something. This tough. is going to be one hell of a segment of Trey saying he doesn't know. No. Okay. I don't know. All right. I, I, I'm genu- I genuinely don't watch a whole lot of movies. Name one movie you have seen. There's a couple things that I've seen <laughs> at length. Okay. Uh, I, I did watch the series, the TV series, Breaking, uh, Breaking, Bad. not Breaking Bad. Excuse me. That's not it. I didn't even actually see that one. I seen Prison Break. Excuse me. Okay. That's prison, a good one. Prison Break. Watch that one. Um, man. A lot of sports movies. I've seen sports movies. Name one non-sports movie that you can think of right Christmas your- Vacation. <laughs> 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 I mean, honestly, Christmas Vacation, I've seen a lot. All right. Great movie. Great movie. Uh, Not seen Game of Thrones. I mean, if we want to play this game, game- I've seen Inception, I think. Inception is was Will Smith, Leo DiCaprio. No, uh, yes, I have seen that. I've seen that. Will Smith was Will I Sm- Am Legend. Yes, I've seen I Am Legend. That's another good one, but yeah. very different movies. 
Uh, yeah. The one, the one thing we will say, again, I know we've seen a lot of people come in and out of the chat. Uh, Tom will be back via Zoom tomorrow, yep. Thursday and Friday. Don't know what his schedule is on Monday. So the situation with Tom is um, he's going down on a family trip to a vacation spot that he's not really sure exactly what the internet situation is going to be. I mean, our goal here is obviously to entertain people, make it fun, enjoyable, pass the day along, as they say. Um, hopefully we were able to do that today to a certain extent. He's going to be back as we were told tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday via zoom. Um, which is not even zoom oddly enough. So no, no free advertising. He's not coming in on zoom link. Um, Phoenix. Phoenix <laughs> <laughs> link. Uh, so he's coming in, he's coming in via video call and then we're going to do our best to try to incorporate him into the show the same way that he always would be. Um, and then unfortunately I believe his travel day is coming back on Monday. Um, whether it's myself, Reed, uh, maybe all of us, we'll figure out a way to try to come up with some good show topics and try to keep things conversational, entertaining. Hopefully I could do that for you today on a little bit of a short notice, but nonetheless, I think, you know, this is an important time. This is a fun time in sports, obviously. And unfortunately for Tom, he found himself on the wrong end <laughs> of a, he, I don't think he scheduled it to be fair to him. Yeah, but he found himself on the wrong end of uh, of some vacation slash family trip time. And I don't know if he's too pleased about the idea that he's not even going to be able to. I don't even know if he's going to be able to watch Monday Night Football. So prayers out to Tom. Tom's really found himself into a Reed Mouse situation, if we're being honest. He really has. I mean, that's kind of where we're at with Tom. It's, um, it's a little sad for him. I think that, you know, Reed's in a situation where... He has a little bit of control of it. He decides not to take control, which is fine. We'll talk about that maybe tomorrow. And uh, But as you said before, Casey, you told Reed, you're doing the right thing. You're doing the thing that um, you're probably supposed to do in marriages. <laughs> I don't, but speaking of which, I should have done this. Um, not that the chat cares, but last night, one thing that you need to do in marriages not because women can't drive. That's not where I'm going with this oh, take. Oh, no. That's not, that's not <laughs> where I'm... That's what you're saying. No, no, no. That's not where I'm going with this take. But if you don't want to have marital arguments, always drive. Just always drive. So last night, I'm in a situation where we went to the in-laws um, for you know Christmas because you know when you're... For the, I know there's people that probably relate. When your families get divorced... And you got two sides of the family. Me and my wife both have to divorce parents. You got like 20 different Christmases you got to try to go to. Yeah. You got stepdads and stepmoms. And it's a, it's, a, it's a wild mess. Love them all. But yesterday I was at the in-laws. And they live out in Morrow, which is close to Blanchester. I, I sent a picture. I was hoping yeah. I could get a rise out of you, Casey. But nonetheless, they're out in BFE, as we say. And the roads are narrow. There's ditches on the side of the road. There's a lot of snow out there right now. And she's like, I can drive home. I'll let you, since I drove out, she's like, I'll, I'll drive home. I'll let you, you know, take a break. And I thought to myself, all right, I'll say yes. But I know I probably shouldn't. So we're getting out of the driveway. We're heading home. And one of my sons in the back, seven-year-old goes, I don't have my iPad. I left my iPad back at grandma's. And I'm like, okay, damn. Now, I don't know if you've ever been on country roads, but the driveways at these places, usually they're not like suburbia, okay? 
My wife then proceeds to try to turn around and drives a Honda Civic directly into a ditch. And when I say ditch, I mean a damn ditch. Oh, no. <laughs> so I had to turn around. I had to call my in-laws. I had to get the kids out of the car. They had to come pick the car up. And my ass was out there in tennis shoes, pissed off, shoveling out this Honda Civic. And by God's grace, a miracle occurred. And we were able to push the car. Me and my father-in-law were able to push the car out of this ditch. I genuinely think, when I think back in my life, of the top five miracles things that I thought were never going to possibly happen and just happened. That's one of the top five. <laughs> I will get you a picture tomorrow and show you the Please do. predicament we were in. But nonetheless, it's not about whether they can drive or not drive. It's about just taking out the risk of possibly letting someone else in your marriage make the mistake. I would have much rather drove the thing into a ditch and been mad at myself. But there's nothing worse than standing out in the freezing cold with tennis shoes on with snow up to your knees, digging, trying to dig your car out when you didn't even do it. But that's here nor there. That's did, my marriage advice. Did for she that. hit ice or did it? No. Oh no. no. Just completely missed the turn. Do you know? <laughs> do you know how these driveways are, people? Right. You 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 go and you 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 realize that you got about I don't know. You got about, well, it's maybe a little bit bigger than the screen you're looking at. You got about this big of a driveway that you have to hit because there's there's those big gaps and valleys where the water kind of runs off of. And, sure. you know, the water's kind of keeping, I don't know, there's probably a technical term for it. I don't know. Not smart enough. Public education. But nonetheless, we missed it. And we didn't just miss it. We missed it by like 10 feet, 5 oh. feet. <laughs> right? It wasn't even close. I know what happened. I'm not trying to make an excuse, but all I'll say is this. <laughs> Just don't let your wife drive. That's the real, that's the real problem. When you want to try to point the finger or excuse me. Yeah. I heard a phrase one time the professor told me, stop pointing the finger and pull the thumb. Stop pointing the finger, Trace, and pull the thumb. So what I did was I got really upset at her for about 15 to 20 seconds. And I was like, you know what? This is your fault, Trace. You're the dumbass that let her drive. You're the idiot. This isn't about your wife. This is about you. This is a you problem. You're the guy that said, yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Let the woman drive when there's two inches of snow on the ground and you got a bowling ball laying to drive down. So I'll get that picture for you tomorrow. But I will say this. I was a hero. Boy, was I a hero when I came back driving down that road and that damn Honda Civic and came back pulling that drive about 35, 40 minutes later. I will say this too. I called five towing places. You know how many answered the phone? Zero. Not a damn one. <laughs> back was up against the wall trying to find a way. And the only advice I could give you is if you're going to let your wife drive, make sure you're make sure you're driving a four-wheel drive car. That's all I got. Fellas, we got a cherry on top here. What's the cherry on top? Wait, actually before we do the cherry on top, uh you want to do Pony? Trace. What Pony? is it? Pony before we do the cherry. Let's on do top. the Pony. Listen. Pony help pays the bill around here. Okay, we got a couple sponsors as you know. 
Shout out to Encore. Shout out to United Dairy Farmers. By the way, this is a sincere ask of you guys. I know this is kind of like going outside the, the, this is going outside the realm of what maybe you're supposed to do. I'm being dead serious when I say this. If you're on social media at all, could you do me a favor if we ever kind of clip something that you like? It doesn't need to be like today or whatever, but before you forget, tag UDF in it and just say, thank you for sponsoring the show. Because here's the truth. I go around, we're this small company, you know, nobody really knows us to a certain extent, eh, relatively more known now than we were before, but they're trying to figure out where they're going to spend their ad dollars. Are they going to spend it with 700 WLW? Are they going to spend it on WCPO? Are they going to put it on Google ads or pay Mark Zuckerberg with the Facebook ads, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. These sponsors took a risk on us. If we're being kind of to completely honest, it's the reason that we can even do this show. So if you could tag UDF from time to time and just being like, hell yeah, you guys sponsor the best show out, whatever you want to say, I don't give a damn. I'm not trying to tell you what to say, but seriously, sincere thanks to United Dairy Farmers, Encore Technologies, Penn Station. Um, and now I want to talk about Pawnee Water. These guys, we obviously met, you hear Tom tell you all the time. We met these guys across the street. Uh, we need to get them in UDF. I'll start there. But there's a new premium alkaline water out, Pawnee, right? You've heard us say this before. It uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that many other brands use. You know what brands they are, Dasani. Uh, the result is a healthy alkaline water that's also known as the best tasting water in the world. Visit their website at PawneeWater.com. That's P-A-H-H-N-I water.com to see where you can buy this great tasting water. And like I said before, we need to get them in UDF. I don't know how we do that, but we need to find out where we can get them. But we need to get them out because it is good water. No, I'm not joking when I say that. Genuinely good water. What's the right. what's the cherry on top Cherry here? on top. We talked about it earlier. Uh, Casey, play the hits. Intro music is elite. Oh, this is a great little thing. We do need to maybe add a Sunday onto the right too. I was going to say. Uh, so we talked about this earlier, but we just wanted to actually show the clip. This is the Joe Buck Case Keenum clip that I talked about earlier. As I said, a terrific defense in Philadelphia. And the skull champ led by the new hero, Case Keenum. I mean, it's... Play it again. Play it one more time. Play it one more time. I don't know if we had the sound at the very beginning. Maybe, maybe we did. All right. So I don't know. Maybe I mean not that we're gonna get knee deep into this, but I don't know when you're broadcasting if they teach you those types of things in school. I don't think that you can be taught those things in school, right? That's just like an innate understanding of the environment, the situation. You're self-aware of how important you really are. And I would offer this critique of Robo at times. I don't really get upset about what Romo says all the time, although he says some outlandish stuff. I have more of a problem with Romo of being self-aware of a situation and not talking over it. You know, let it live a little bit. No one wants to hear you say, what do you think, Jim? Jim is calling the game, Tony. Not to get on a soapbox <laughs> about Romo, but I, I, I do think that there's something innate about the idea of being able to know when to talk, and when not to talk. Um, and there's a few people that do that really, really well. Buck's obviously one of them. Nance is an all-time great. And I think at the end of the day, that's why we love broadcasters is because they know when to step in and when to step out, when they know when to get in the way and when not to get in the way. And um, 
at the end of the day, that's all we ask as sports fans is just to be entertained. And I think there's two relative ways to go about it. Gus Johnson's one of the ways, right? I mean, people love Gus Johnson. I don't know if it's because he's the most eloquently spoken person, but it's because he gets really excited and he says some crazy stuff like, you had a barbecue and I didn't get invited. Can you pull that clip up? Pull that clip up and we're going to end it on that for all the Ohio State stands. I got it. Hold on. The last thing I'll say is this. I appreciate you tuning in. I know I'm not Tom. I will never probably be as good as Tom as long as I try to do this. But at the same time, I do think that there's something to the idea that if we can start to build shows on top of each other, I would like to be um, in a situation where we could start to do those types of things, whether it's myself or whether it's Reed, Paul and Casey, whoever it may be. The goal is to be entertaining. The, old, the goal is to be relatively insightful, right? And I think sometimes not being a Bengals fan and sometimes being able to see things from the outside looking in. I know I poke the bear from time to time about the Bengals. And I do think the uh, Lou Armadillo, which I know it's not Armadillo, but that's what I call him, Anarumo. I think that, that, that that's the most overblown thing I've ever heard in my life about Cincinnati fans. But you know what? Hey, if it, if it, if it upsets you, good. I'm glad you're watching. If you think it's funny, good. I'm glad you're listening. And at the end of the day, we appreciate you. I will say this, obviously, at Chatterbox. You guys are genuinely appreciated. I mean, we understand where we stand in this whole thing. We know there's other alternatives. There's a million different forms of entertainment out there. A million different forms. And at the end of the day, our goal is to try to be niche. Niche is rich, as I like to say around here. And the goal is to try to make Cincinnati sports talk fun and enjoyable. And I think that if we continue to go down this path, our goal and our hope is that, uh, that we can be that form of outlet for you. So tell as many people as you like about what we're doing. And uh, again, I appreciate it. I am going to end this show on Gus Johnson's call that I think is one of the all-time greats. Thank you. We'll see you tomorrow. Wartenschlager to the sideline, caught first down. Woo! What a hit! Denzel Ward! You got barbecue back there? And you didn't invite me? Hurt my feelings! They're going to discuss whether this was a completion and a fumble or just an incomplete pass.